Hello to my Facebook friends and family. It's a little bit early on a Thursday afternoon, uh, 1 o'clock p.m. Welcome to Bill's Facebook study through the Daily Bible in chronological order edited by F. Lagarde Smith. Uh, I realize that I'm coming to you a little bit earlier, have a schedule conflict at 3, so we're starting this a little bit early. Hope you are able to find us and join us, whether you're watching it live at 1 p.m. Central Time in Texas, or if you're watching it a little bit later. Glad to have you. Appreciate you hanging in there with me and reading through the Bible in 2022. What a great goal that we have. And uh, today we're reading uh, one of the most exciting narratives that you can find in scripture really just about anywhere because this is an amazing and incredible story that is very much uh, aligned and important with uh, what we've talked about already which is the call of Abraham in Genesis 12 uh, and his uh, marriage to Sarah and then ultimately uh, late in life Abraham and Sarah having the child that promised Isaac Isaac later marrying Rebecca, and Isaac and Rebecca also having difficulty conceiving a child, but um, I think after 20 years, they were able to have a child, and they have twins, Esau and Jacob, and as we saw this past uh, couple of lessons, uh, Esau, even though he was older uh, and would receive the uh, birthright, uh, according to their culture, uh, sold that to his younger brother Jacob, Jacob being named uh, in a symbolic way deceiver, and uh, not only receives uh, the birthright from his brother, but also his father's blessing. On uh, Isaac's deathbed, uh, Rebecca, Isaac's mother, who favored Isaac, uh, allowed him to be able to deceive his father. And so uh, Isaac, thinking that it is Esau, his favorite, the oldest uh, son, um, is uh, because he was blind, he wasn't able to, to figure that out. And um, Isaac gives uh, Jacob, the younger son, the blessing that should have gone to Esau. And he, as uh, his father says, is blessed indeed. And God had seen all of that coming and knew even when they were in the womb that uh, and about to be born uh, that uh, the younger uh, would rule over the older, and the older would serve the younger. And so Isaac does bless Esau. It's a very difficult blessing, but he also tells him that when he is old, uh, he'll cast his brother's uh, shadow off of him, which is exactly what happens. And so Jacob flees for his life, as you know, as we saw in the last uh, lesson, uh, and goes to Rebekah's brother, his Jacob's uncle Laban, has some great experiences along the way, uh, encountering God in a, in a very real way a couple of times. Ultimately, his name is changed to Israel, and he has those uh, 12 sons and a daughter through Leah and Rachel and their maidservants. Uh, one son, Joseph, is from his beloved Rachel, and Joseph immediately becomes um, the favorite. Many of you are familiar, even if you don't know many stories from the Bible, you know the story of Joseph and the multicolored coat, uh, whether it's uh, because of the play or because of the great Dolly Parton song, her coat of many colors. But um, uh, of course, we know the story uh, of Joseph and how his father favored him. 
and um, and and Joseph was a dreamer. God gave him dreams, and so that really gets us to our lesson uh, today, which is this section of the end of Genesis from chapters 37 through 50. Uh, you'll be reading the last section of that, and then we get started uh, with um, the book of Exodus in a couple of days, and that'll be the point of our upcoming lessons. Uh, but for now, we're looking at Joseph and his brothers and his father as well and the difficulty uh, that they go through. In Genesis 37, Joseph dreams his parents and brothers bow down to him, and he receives that special coat of many colors. Uh, and his brothers are very, very jealous. And so his father sends him on a very dangerous mission uh, to go and check on his brothers while they're out there tending the flocks. And the brothers see him coming. <clears throat> and they decide, hey, let's, let's stick it to him. Uh, let's throw him in a cistern in a dry, uh, big pit. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and some wanted to kill him. Uh, others wanted to uh, save him and uh, deliver him, especially Reuben, the older one, was feeling really bad about all of this. And he was going to um, get Joseph and send him back to his father. Uh, but that's not what happens. There are a band of traveling Ishmaelites uh, that are going uh, to uh, Egypt. And these are merchants. These are traders, uh, gypsies, you might say. And, um, and Joseph's brothers sell him as a slave. And they take his wonderful coat and they rip it all up. And they kill an animal and they pour the animal's blood all over it. And they take it back to their father and they say, see if this is your son's coat. And, uh, and uh, Jacob says, yes, it is. I know it is. And he begins to mourn the loss of his son, his favorite son, um, Joseph. And, uh, and so Joseph is 17 years old at this time. Amazing, 17 years old. And they ultimately end up in Egypt where Joseph is put on the auction block as a slave. And one of Pharaoh's highest officials, Potiphar, is the one who buys him. And so Joseph begins to uh, uh, serve uh, Potiphar and his household, and God blesses him. One of the strange refrains through all of this is how God was with Joseph. In spite of everything that happens, Scripture continually says, but God was with Joseph and blessed him and blessed all of those that he came around, including Potiphar. But before we get to more of Joseph's story, in chapter 38 is this strange, embarrassing story of Judah, one of the other sons, uh, Joseph's half-brother, uh, a son of, uh, of uh, Jacob uh, and of Leah. Uh, and, um, and Judah has uh, 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 Tamar. And it's interesting because uh, Judah has uh, twin sons. And um, our Judah has sons, and three sons actually, and um, uh, and Tamar is married off to one of them, but uh, that that son dies, and so according to the custom and culture, the younger brother would uh, uh, marry her and bear children, the first of which would carry on his brother's uh, inheritance and name. But he doesn't want to do that, and so God actually has him uh, die young as well. And Judah tells Tamar, look, um, I've got one more son, so just hang in there with me and mourn the loss of your husband and, 
and, uh, and then I'll take care of it down the line. Well, he never does. The son grows up and he's not given to Tamar in marriage. And so Tamar has this very weird uh, story where she dresses up as a prostitute when uh, she knows that Jacob is going uh, or that Judah is going out of town. And she stands where a prostitute would stand uh, and uh, Judah uh, buys her services. But she, um, she takes uh, a part of his belongings, uh, his staff and his seal, as a pledge. Uh, for the animal that he would one day, uh, that he would send to her. And so after that, he gets the animal and he sends it to her and they can't find her. And the people of the community of the town say, look, there's not been a, a prostitute here. And so Judah says, well, okay, the embarrassment is great enough. Let's just leave it. She's got some things, so let's just leave it. Um, and ultimately, uh, Tamar, of course, comes up pregnant. And it's told to Judah, and Judah is ready to kill her because of all of uh, her infidelity. But then she shows him his belongings and say, this is, this is who I slept with. And so Judah says, well, she's more righteous than I because I didn't do what I was supposed to do and promised her. So uh, he goes ahead and uh, accepts her into his home, and she has twins. And the oldest one is named Perez. And why, why is this story in the Bible, Bill? Well, as we've said, the Bible doesn't shy away from difficult stories. But in this case, Perez becomes an ancestor, not only of King David, but of Jesus himself. And so Tamar uh, becomes in the ancestral line of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that Tamar is one of only five women that's named in Matthew's genealogy. In Matthew chapter 1, we're introduced to Tamar, in spite of this history, Rahab, uh, who was from Jericho and, uh, and a prostitute, uh, Ruth, who was a woman of Moab, hated enemies of the Jews, of course, Bathsheba, who is not named, just the one who had been Uriah's wife, and we'll get to that story down the line, and then finally, Mary, the mother of Jesus, who had him very, very young before uh, and had uh, become pregnant even before she had married uh, Joseph. Um, of course, we know that was from God, but the rest of the people didn't know that and heard the story, likely didn't believe her. But it all comes back to this moment with Tamar and with Judah, um, one of the 12 sons of Jacob, who is now called Israel. Well, that gets us to the rest of Joseph's story, so we'll share about that. In chapters 39 and 40, we read about his service with Potiphar, and God is blessing Potiphar because of Joseph, and ultimately Mrs. Potiphar, she's not named, uh, makes advances towards uh, Joseph because she sees that he's good-looking, and she probably also sees that he's very, very successful. God blesses everything that he does. And so she tries to get him to sleep with her, and he won't do it. And finally, she has him uh, in the house by themselves. And the only thing that Joseph can do is leave his cloak and run. Well, she cries rape and accuses him of sexual assault, and he ends up in prison. Um, but while he's in prison, the, the prison uh, guard, warden, puts him in charge of everything because God is with him and blesses him. But while he's there... Pharaoh is mad at a couple of his high servants, his cupbearer, which was a very important position, person who made sure that he didn't get poisoned by the wine he drank, uh, and the baker, who in a similar way brought him his uh, bread. 
And both of them had fallen out with Pharaoh, and so Pharaoh put him in jail, in prison, same prison with Joseph. Well, um, they each have dreams one night, and, um, and Joseph interprets the dreams, and he interprets them to show that the baker will be killed in three days. Uh, Pharaoh will have him killed, but the butler, the cupbearer, would be restored to service. And so Joseph tells him, hey, look, when you get out of this place, remember me. I'm here uh, under false pretenses. I didn't deserve to be here at all, and I certainly didn't deserve to be here in prison. And so sure enough, three days later, the baker is killed, and Pharaoh restores the butler, the cupbearer, but he doesn't say anything about Joseph. For two years, two years, finally, and Joseph is now 30 years old. It's been 13 years uh, since his brothers betrayed him. Um, and, uh, and Pharaoh has dreams. He dreams about... Uh, the uh, uh, seven cows coming out of the Nile, uh, very healthy, swallowed up by seven thin cows, and then seven healthy stalks of wheat that are swallowed up by seven uh, skinny stalks of wheat, unhealthy looking. And yet in each case, uh, the, the, uh, the difficult ones, the, the, the gaunt ones, uh, don't look any better. Um, so um, Pharaoh asks his wise men, well, what does this mean? And they say, we, we don't know. We don't know. Who can, who can uh, understand dreams but God? And, um, and so that's when the, the cupbearer remembers, oh, I know somebody that can. And so he calls for Joseph to be brought finally two years after he had been released, 13 years in all for Joseph since he had left uh, his family and, and been sold as a slave. And he stands before Pharaoh and he tells him the dreams and he tells him the interpretation that they both mean the same thing. God has certainly decided that seven years of plenty uh, will be followed by seven years of famine. And so Joseph says, I tell you what, here's, here's what you ought to do. You ought to get somebody that's wise and put them in charge of collecting grain for these seven years of surplus. And then during the famine, you'll have plenty and the whole world will be coming to Pharaoh uh, for grain. And Pharaoh says, what a great idea. You're in charge. You have to be careful about volunteering an idea in a committee meeting, right? <laughs> and so Joseph uh, is put in charge. And he's actually uh, put second in command of all of Egypt to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is so impressed. And again, we see God is with Joseph. God has shown Pharaoh what he's going to do, Joseph told him. And now Pharaoh has put Joseph in charge. Well, sure enough, all of those things happen. The seven years of plenty are followed by famine, and it's everywhere, including in where Israel, Jacob, and his family, the rest of Joseph's brothers and all of their family live. And so um, Jacob tells the sons, go, and uh, I hear there's grain in Egypt, go get us some. And, but he won't send Benjamin. Benjamin is the younger brother of Joseph, full brother, his only full brother, by, by Jacob and Rachel. And Rachel had died in childbirth, and so he was the only one. And he can't bear to lose Benjamin, too. He's already lost Joseph, so he sends the rest of them. Well, what they don't realize is that Joseph uh, is Hebrew, not only Hebrew, but their brother. And he recognizes them, but they don't recognize him, I'm sure, because of all of the getup. And he didn't speak, spoke to a translator. So uh, they don't know. They don't know. But he gives them everything they want and more. Uh, but he tells them, look, you, uh, 
you will not come back to me unless you bring that other brother that you've told me that you have. Um, and they say, but it'll bring about the death of our father. And Joseph says, well, that's, that's my deal. And uh, he also makes it so that they, it looks like they have stolen some things and not paid for their grain. Um, and so when they come back, Joseph keeps Simeon, his brother, there and tells them, look, when you come back, you better have that other brother uh, or else you'll all die. Um, and so um, the brothers go back and now Jacob is especially sorrowful. He's lost Joseph. Now he's lost Simeon too. But after a while, the grain runs out. And so Jacob tells them, hey, you need to go get some grain from Egypt. And they say, look, this, this guy, he's smart. He saw right through us. And he told us if we come back without Benjamin, he's going to kill us all or enslave us all. And um, Israel finally says, okay, okay, go ahead and go and may God bless us all. And so they go and they take Benjamin. And it's such an emotional, emotional scene. Um, Jacob, uh, uh, Joseph again tricks them so that he has to keep Benjamin, uh, makes it appear that Benjamin had stolen from him. And when they're on their way back and they all go back and he says, no, 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 you're not all going to die. But Benjamin, the one who took the things, he's going to have to stay. And then Judah makes this incredible plea in chapter 44 that says, hey, look, I'll be here. I'll be your slave. Just please. It will kill our father if we don't go back. Uh, if we go back and Benjamin is not with us. <clears throat> well, at that point in chapter 45, Joseph can't take it anymore. He had already had to go out of the room because he was crying so much. It was so emotional. And now he clears everybody out but his brothers, and he reveals his identity. And he tells them, I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. Is my father really alive? Is he okay? And they, they can't believe it. They're at first shocked, and then they're scared because they know what they did. But Joseph tells them in chapter 45, look, you meant this for harm, but God meant it for good. God brought me here uh, to save all of us from catastrophe and famine and death. And so don't, don't feel bad. It's uh, God has put us in this place. And now there's five more years of famine. Uh, there's already been two. It's going to be five more. And so Joseph tells him, look, go back and tell my father I'm still alive. Tell him to come and bring everything, uh, everyone to Egypt, and we'll put you up in a, in a great place in the land of Goshen. And they do. And they go back, and Joseph, of course, sends all kinds of things with them. And they tell Jacob, Israel, their father. And at first he doesn't believe it, but then when he sees everything, he, he, is, uh, he is revived. And he says, Joseph surely is alive. I will go and meet my son once again. And so they all go. And when Joseph is uh, reunited with his father, Jacob, it's another great emotional scene in chapter 46. Uh, and the famine continues, but God continues to bless uh, Joseph and uh, Israel and their family. And so uh, the readings that are coming up, starting in chapter 48, uh, Joseph has uh, received two sons, a wife and two sons while in Egypt, and their names are uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. And Jacob, before he dies, blesses them. And he says, the sons of Joseph will be my sons. And so Joseph's sons, actually Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, begin to inherit exactly at the same level as Joseph 
and his brothers. Uh, and he blesses Ephraim over Manasseh, even though Ephraim is the younger. It's another play where the older is served by uh, the younger. And so jo uh, uh, Jacob gives those blessings to all of his sons in chapters 48 and 49. And in chapter 49, he, he dies and is buried. And chapters 49 and 50 give us the end of the Genesis account. And all of the brothers uh, go and they bury their father. And then once again, uh, Joseph's brothers are afraid because they say, hey, now that dad has died, Joseph will probably either kill us or enslave us. And so they go to him and they fabricate this story in chapter 50. And they say, hey, look, before he died, dad said I, he wants you to forgive us, to forgive your brothers. And Joseph again weeps and he, um, he tells them, look, I, I have already done, made my peace with this. And remember, he said, you meant this for harm, but God meant it for good. God did this. Max Lucado in some of his books, he, he has that great lesson about those two words, but God. You meant this for evil and for harm and to destroy me out of your envy and jealousy, but, but God meant it for good. But God meant it to save our people. Um, and the descendants of our, our grandfather, our ancestor, Abraham. And so that's, that is exactly uh, what happens. They all make their peace. And, um, and finally, Joseph is able to, to find uh, that peace. Joseph dies at the end of the book of Genesis, and he tells them in a great statement of faith, I know, I know that God will bring us back. I know, I don't know when, but I know that God will, he'll keep his promises and he'll take us back to our homeland. And so I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. When, when we go back, you need to make sure that my bones are taken with you and that I am buried in the land of my forefathers, that I am buried in my own land, the tribe of Joseph, of Ephraim, and Manasseh. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, well, as we said earlier in the week, um, if you think your family is dysfunctional, think about Abraham and Sarah and then Isaac and, Is and uh, Ishmael and Isaac and Rebekah and um, Esau and Jacob. And then Jacob has all of the wives and all of the sons and the daughter Dinah who goes through her own difficulty and finally Joseph, and the way God uses Joseph, the way God delivers his people, is just a reminder that God will stay with us. Doesn't mean the things they did were right. The Bible records the good and the bad, all the narrative. Sometimes it condemns the sin, sometimes it doesn't. But all the time we know that God is using people who are human beings, who have good and bad about them, and yet he's using them uh, to save his people. And we'll see that in a grand, grand way in the weeks ahead as we begin the story of Moses and Passover and deliverance from Egypt and 40 years wandering in the wilderness and Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments and the Golden Calf and ultimately the Law of Moses. That's what we have ahead for us. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you in the weeks ahead. God bless.